Welcome to 77 Minutes, the only Mavericks podcast that, if we were to be Luka Doncic's teammate, we would hit a shot without needing a perfect pass right to the hands. You'd hope! The Mavericks, uh, I guess I should introduce myself. Oh man, it's an emergency pod. I'm already out of sorts. I don't know how to do these things. Not uh, a lot of sleep Tim going K- down last night. Yeah, yeah. What What is that anyway? Uh, I'm Tim Cato. I write about the Mavericks. Talk about the Mavericks. You know, the, the whole spiel for the athletic. And we got Mike Pellucci. It's uh, just just us two today. You and me, two man game, Dirk and Jet style. I uh, <laughs> let's let's harken back to the last podcast real quick because I, I said it then, and it bore true. After game one, with a thirty point triple double, I said, "There's no point in writing about it. There will be a better Luca game." After game two, where he went for forty and pushing a forty point triple double, I said, "There will be a better Luca game." Friends, you saw the better Luka game last night. That was, if last year's game winner was the first big Luka moment on the playoff reel that we'll watch someday when he retires and there's a big documentary about his exploits, last night was number two. That was ridiculous. Well, I mean, you're saying this and you're right, but he also missed 20 shots and was one of what one of eight, I believe, one of seven in the in the fourth quarter. Um, like, it's it's... Again, you're right. That was that was an absurd yeah, basketball game. I mean, he was the is... only he was the only reason the Mavericks won. Yes, and like yeah. like only with as large a font as you can put it in. But he could have been better, and that's and that's yes. what's so wild. Yeah, there's that feeling of when the great ones do something. There's that sense of the moment, right? You know, I mean, that's there's the ineffable aspect of it. He's played better games in the series statistically, games one and two for sure. Um, but. The stakes, what was on the line, the fact that, you know, yeah, he looked a hell of a lot better than he did game four, but he's not healthy. There's no way he's healthy. He goes out there, he's still banged up, he does that. He gets no help. Uh, They're starting Boban, right? This is all, this is throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. And the only thing that stuck, as imperfect as it was, the only thing that stuck was Luka Doncic is the best player on the floor. That's it. And that was enough. I mean, like you said, this was... There are all kinds of ways in which they are not going to win a game like that again. There are too many ways which they should have probably lost that game. But the really great ones steal ones for you sometimes. And that's what Luka Doncic did last night. Even not at 100%, even on the road, didn't matter. He got it done. He did did something very special and he got it done. Let's just walk through chronologically because there was a lot of interesting stuff that happened. What, What did you make of Boban? I, you know, give Rick credit, right? Um, it, it, I loved how you how you put it this morning in, in this morning's piece. If you haven't read Tim's piece from last night, do it. It's a, a clinic in writing on a deadline. Uh, even and if you're not a subscriber, time- uh, theathletic.com, 77 minutes in heaven. Uh, I believe there's a half off promo. There's some sort of discount there behind yeah, the, uh, behind the wind- window. You should read it. You should read Tim all the time. Um, it's hard to do what he did on deadline. It's hard to do what he did even if you have time. But as Tim put it, and it's true, Boban didn't work, but it kind of worked, right? Like, I, you know, if you look at the raw numbers, Boban's on-court impact wasn't great. There were definitely awkward moments where it was the, let's try to funnel the ball to Boban, and there were too many defenders around, but he's here and he's big, so let's just give it a shot and see. But the idea, you know, we talk a lot about Kristaps Porzingis and gravity, right? If there is a defense for anything you were watching in this series and, and Porzingis' off nights, it is the gravity that he, he plays, right? Rick Carlisle brought it up again last night that when he is on the floor and he is spacing out, 
even if he's not hitting the shots, it creates opportunities for the people. He is a perceived threat, so the defenses have to shift to him. And that stuff matters. It doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but it matters. Well, when Boban's on the floor, people think twice by going to the rack. And that's especially true when there was another big out there with him, which Dallas played with two bigs on the floor at all times for the first time this whole series. One of the rare times, I mean, it's been a while since they would even did that often in the regular season. That wasn't a thing that was going on. But, you know, give Rick Carlisle credit. He figured out that this team isn't going to really guard the Clippers top to bottom. They are not, the personnel are not there. So what can you do? Well, the Clippers are, I believe, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, they were the best three-point shooting team in the league this year. Am I right about that? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that's it's, correct. It's been a long night. Yeah, fourth, yeah so, fourth, fourth best in, in NBA history. Yeah, so you're talking about an all-time prolific three-point shooting team. You're talking about multiple guys who get looks. And just the fact that if you can't guard Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, and you can't, either they are going to get those looks or somebody else will. You can't do anything about that. But what you can do, at least to some effect, is they were allowing an absolutely wild amount of shots and success at the rim. I believe that number was 61% of their two-pointers in the first four games of the series. If you put two big dudes in the paint and one of them is Boban Marjanovic, chances are either effectively in terms of basketball sense of somebody rotates over and seals off an angle or just perceptually of that's a large man that I do not want to run at when he's on the floor with Christoph Porzingis though that's a seven foot three dude and a seven foot four dude that matters will that always show up in the sheet no were there looks that the Clippers should have made anyways last night absolutely they left paint points on the table do not mistake that for a second but the idea of we're going to put more size in the paint And we're going to make this harder for you. And if you want to shoot your threes, shoot your threes. And you can only beat us one way as opposed to both ways. I mean, hey, it's it's an idea. I don't know if it will work for two more games if this is what the series goes to. But for one night at least, when you needed this game, hell yeah, it was a good idea. Yeah, I like that you said perceptually. Because it's not like the Mavericks had shot blockers on the court. Boban is not a shot blocker. Uh, Christos Porzingis did not record a shot. The Mavericks had two blocked shots the entire game. They were not, you know, just snuffing out the Clippers every time they tried to shoot a layup. But there was a perception, real or not, that the Clippers were just not getting into the paint. The zone defense affects that as well. Um, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna be beat on a straight line drive and then just hit a layup right. if the player you're beating, there's someone right behind him already kind of stepping into that space. But yeah, I mean I, I think uh, I'm trying to remember the it was the it was like the biggest starting lineup since 2002 um, for the Mavericks and maybe in league history because it was also the Mavericks who had had the record before that. It was what um, the big three plus Rafe plus Bradley, I think is what it was. Was that yeah, that starting yeah, five? Yeah, yeah I think so, that's right. But, but I mean, there's just filling up, you know, when you put Boban and KP out there, like you said, you're filling up like mass on the court. You're filling up cubic space and it's, it's a, it's funny, but, uh, you know, it's it's a hilarious approach to a game if if you kind of jet out and ignore the stakes of everything. But I guess I I have to say it worked. I I mean I don't have another conclusion to draw from this, but to look at what happened and say, yeah, you know, you got you got the Clippers to shoot more threes. They missed a lot of them on another night. They might have hit them. You got a weird game from Kawhi. I I mean, with the way he's been playing this series anything to to throw him off his rhythm and routine was needed and and it worked um and then and then the other big factor is that Zubac played a lot in the third quarter when the Mavericks made their third quarter run to to close that was with Zubac on the court pretty much the entire time and 
and and without Boban either to to match him for a lot of those minutes. And I don't know why Ty Lue, after four data, you know, four data points, four games in the series that has been very clearly shown to him that he shouldn't be playing uh, Zubac pretty much at all. I, I don't know why he kept going to that or I think, why, why I mean, he, I think he might have been a little shell-shocked. Yeah. I think he right. might have been a little shell-shocked because you're not expecting a team to go that big and really commit to it, right? We saw a go- Boban in game four was a gimmick. We're going to throw him out there for a few minutes and see what happens. Boban was the plan last night and not just Boban, right? I mean, give give a lot of credit to Dwight Powell for what he did in the second half. You know, that sure. was that was one of the better halves he put together all year. One of the better halves. Well, you say you say you say Ty Lue wasn't expecting it, except he literally predicted he was, it at the pregame. He was, but there's a difference between they're going to start Bobby and they're going to play two bigs on the floor all night long. Right, right. And I agree with that. You know, it's I think the key here and the the key point of delineation is, and you bring it up with Kawhi too, is how much of what you saw last night can you really bank on being sustainable? And I would argue it's very little of it. You are not getting that bad of an effort from Kawhi. You are not getting, you know, I mean, a lot of missed threes, missed opportunities at the rim late in game, uh, a lot of carelessness down the stretch with the ball from the Clippers late in game. Some of that forced, you know, great defensive forced plays, but some of it not. I don't think you're going to get that much turnover luck in the last four minutes again. Um, a Doncic effort like that, you, you know, Luca's so good, you can never rule it out. But Doncic with minimal help, I mean, the only player above 15 points other than him was Tim Hardaway Jr. And Tim didn't have a great game until, you know, hit a couple shots late. This was not a vintage Tim Hardaway effort. There's a lot that I don't think if you play that game 10 more times, I don't think Dallas wins the majority of those games. But that's okay. The question is, what do you do now in game six? You know, can they roll out the same two big liner for 48 more minutes and expect it to work? That effectively, I'm skeptical. But on the flip side, if you want some encouragement, they won last night and Luca got very little help. Like like we just said, it was not a vintage Tim Hardaway effort by any means. He was clearly the second most effective offensive weapon. After that, it was a train wreck. Everything that could have gone wrong for the supporting cast did go wrong, much like it did in game four. The difference is you get a great, great Luca performance and you get you know, some tricks, some Rick Carlisle uh, craftiness that worked for at least one night. So for this going forward in game six, Tim, what has to happen for them to close this this series out? Uh, because I don't think they want to go back. Even though the road teams won every game, I do not think if you're Dallas, you want to go back to LA for a game seven. Nah, 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 nah. I think, I think, I think game six. Oh man, just hit my mic. Uh, yeah, I think you want to get, win game six. Them being so bad at home is just weird i I, yeah. I would love to know the psychology behind that um or whether it's just random but but yeah i think i think that's that's the idea the offense can't look like it did in the fourth quarter i as much as the offense is heliocentric and all these you know big words we use to basically mean that you know it, it's lucas offense and he's the driving force behind everything i've never seen the mavericks look that like timid and tepid with the ball where they had it in just instantly like head on a swivel. Where is Luca? Where is Luka? it's it's your take the ball, take the ball, go do something. It felt uh, like it felt like that fourth quarter first, was wild. It felt like the first LeBron tenure in Cleveland where it was LeBron yeah. and a bunch of role players and just give LeBron the ball and get out of the way. And the thing is, this supporting cast is better than that. You know, this isn't a championship caliber supporting cast, but this is a better group than oh my God, what are we going to do? Let Luca do a bunch of stuff and maybe we'll hit some corner threes. Like they need to do more and they can do more and they have done more. They've done more in this series than that. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know how to explain that exactly. I mean, I, I mean, I I wrote about the formula of how the Mavericks won games against the Clippers this year, the you know, the first two and the regular season. Um obviously we've talked about how uh you know, game 5 Wednesday's game did not follow any formula whatsoever. Um it barely even followed discernible, you know, trends of basketball. And many times it didn't look like bas- any basketball I've seen. Um, especially those first six minutes were truly, truly wild in terms of just the, the, the scampering zone defense with massive players running across the court and, and the Clippers, you know, trying to adjust. It was, it was weird. Um, yeah, you need a more sustainable approach for, for game six. I don't know exactly how you do it. Um, I was a little, I don't know if I was surprised that they they kind of re rearranged KP's role in the way that they did, like you talked about, where he was really just a corner three point shooter. Um, when I wrote about Game Five and adjustments that I expected the Mavericks to make, I thought they needed to get you know something like twenty points out of him, whether you know it, it came from him being a more aggressive cutter or someone who they did try to post up ten feet from the basket and and see if he could be effective and you know just hit like four shots, four shots throughout a game, a few threes, some free throws. That all that adds up to twenty twenty two points, and when the method of of beating the Clippers really feels like it's going to be outscoring them, you know that felt like it would be a important uh you know twenty points there, and instead he has eight right. It's so yeah, it's hard. It's hard to you know the the, the only thing that matters from the Mavericks' perspective is that they won. Like it doesn't matter that it's not sustainable. They've proven you know they've now beat the Clippers five times this season. You know, when you include the to the two regulars in the games, they've lost three. You know, the idea that the Mavericks can't beat the the Clippers again is is ludicrous. Of course they can. I mean, it's not going to look like it did in Game Five. Probably, um, I'd be very interested to see if uh, Carlisle goes back to Boban. I think he probably would, but I don't know if we're going to get twenty minutes of Boban. Um, but but I I do I do think that you know Carlisle is convinced that the answer is to go big. Um, it's hard to argue with him, you know, if 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 the Clippers are going to go this small and if he can do anything to, to convince Lou to get Zubach back on the court. Um, sure, you know, go go back, go right back to that and, and see what happens. You figure Ricardo being as smart as he is, there's a counter move, right? If he goes Boban again and he knows the Clippers have film on it and they know what to expect, I would be very surprised if Rick doesn't have a plan for the Clippers plan for that, you know, because it can't be like you said, I don't think it'd be this much Boban. I don't know if it could be this much two bigs period. Um, maybe it could be, maybe it could be. And it's more Dwight Powell because Dwight Powell, the second half was absolutely massive. Um, but there's, you know, I, I think the degree of Boban probably ratchets down a little bit, but will the degree of two bigs ratchet down? I don't know. That's going to be an interesting question. I, I think, you got to give him credit because I think after the after games three and four, we're sitting here going, okay, the Clippers found their answer. They have the deeper roster and they're going to go small. And what can you do? And I I thought, and from talking to other smart basketball people, including yourself, I think a lot of people figured, okay, go small with them and see what happens. See if you can outscore it. You still got the best player. Going big and maybe is, if they had gone small, it would have worked. That's it, the weird true, thing. We true, don't true. know. We don't, you don't know. know. What I do know is it's ballsy to go that big. And, yeah. and it worked. And even if it worked for one night, you now have serious advantage. So good on Rick for trying it. Good on all those dudes for pulling it off. 
And they pulled it off, like you said, with Porzingis in an extremely peripheral role, with Maxi Kleba being in foul trouble in the second half and not really be able to depend on him down the stretch. I don't think if you had to listen, if you had to rank the Mavs five big men, and you said going into this, two of them, you know, what two will have to be the best two for them to win this game five? If you're power ranking it, Boban and Dwight Powell are probably four and five in some order, right? You're right. thinking it's Porzingis, you're thinking it's Kleban, you're thinking it's Willie. And those two guys stepped up. And if that's what works, that's what works, right? I mean, we talked in the in the wider level about it doesn't have to be every role guy that role player that steps up in this series. You know, we in a scoring perspective. Just some of them do. Well, tonight in a last night in a more micro capacity, it didn't have to be all five big men who had to step up and play at a great level to make this whole literal go big or go home scheme work. Just a couple of them did. Uh, that it was Boban and Dwight Powell? Okay, sure. I guess that's what got the job done last night. Will that be those two in game six? It might not be. Maybe it's Porzingis and Carly Stein. Who knows? But uh, I think the key is what will the formula be? And even if it's less Boban, I'm inclined to think right now that they will try two bigs on the floor together in some combination until the Clippers prove that they can stop it. Yeah, I think that sounds right. You know, it's... it's <laughs> Man, I just can't get over how weird of a game that was. Game it was five. bizarre. It was absolutely bizarre. It was, I, it was, yeah. I am starting to get to the point where I do think for game six, one of Brunson or Finney Smith really has to step up. Because even, even Hardaway's down games have not been problematic. Jordan Finney Smith since game one has been a, a black hole offensively. And he was great down the stretch defensively. He's given you a lot. He played a hell of a game against Kawhi Leonard. He does a lot on the floor when he's not shooting well. But... There are a lot of looks that he gets and regular season Dorian over the last several years has increasingly improved his effectiveness at those looks and the last four games it's really fallen off. They need him to make some shots. They could really use Brunson as the only other dependable backcourt creator to give them something to where you could feel confident resting Luca for more than he did. That's the other aspect we haven't talked about. Luca was on the floor all night. Um, he's young yeah. enough that you know you figure he could do it again if he has to, even if he's not 100%, but you don't want that. It was clearly affected in the fourth quarter. You look at his one of one of yeah. seven, one of eight shooting. You know, you have to think that some of that was the fatigue. You know, a lot of the shots were rim outs and stuff, but he wasn't getting to the rim. It was, you know, these turnaround contested mid-rangers. And, you know, I, I, he, sure, on another night, maybe he hits four of them. But, you know, you have to assume that to some level, the the fatigue in that situation did affect him down the stretch. And, and yeah, you, you don't want that. I mean, if... If he's going to play that much, then you got to close it out sooner. You got to build build a right. build a b- bigger lead. I, I don't know what it is, but you know, like Luca's not. You know, if the, if it's if it's a tight game from from start to finish uh, in Game Six, he's going to play forty three more minutes. He might play forty five. Um, but even if you could buy him three, right. maybe four minutes more on the bench, that can mean a lot. But the only way that can happen is if Brunson steps up. There's nobody else yeah. who can shoulder that creative burden. So. I mean, ideally, and, both of them play well. But you, if Dorian's hitting shots, then if Luca's playing a huge amount of minutes, Dorian hitting even two more threes is going to be a massive, massive upgrade, right? Or the flip side of that is if you know he's not hitting shots and Luca needs some more rest, but Jalen can do some more in those non-Luca minutes to affect the game, then and you're it, great offense in other ways. It's it's about how the game is going. You know, Luca got those two minutes at the start of the fourth quarter because they had built the lead in the third. Right. You know, if if they hadn't, would he have come out of the? I'm not sure he would have. I'm not sure he would have come out of the game there. But you got him. To, you stole two minutes of rest by closing out the third quarter as well as they did. Yep. And I think that's how Karlov views it. It's it's not a 
you know, he knows when he would like to rest Luca. He knows that he would like to get him, you know, two breaks throughout a game. He talked a lot about after the game, he talked a lot about the, the longer media timeouts and how he, you know, was glad that there was a long review. You know, he's, he's meticulously factoring all of the, you know, seconds of rest that Luca's getting. And he's going to try to get him as much as possible. But I think there's a good chance he just stays in the game uh, to, to start the, the fourth quarter if, if it was tied or if the Mavericks were down. Um, but it's that, it's that run they went on. And, and to go on a run like that, you need bench players, you know, not just Luca contributing to the game for sure. Yeah, uh, I shout out our, our pal, Saad Youssef, who put it very perfectly on Twitter when he said that it, it felt like that, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but anytime you're about to go on a long vacation and you just do a ton of work to, you know, to work ahead and get your product productivity out of the way. So stuff's getting done while you're out of the office. That's what Luca did. Just stack this massive lead so we can sit on the bench for a few minutes and recuperate. Um, I yeah. like the, the person who tweeted the Mavericks roster is like one of those things where it's uh, build a roster and you have this amount of dollars, you know, the kind of the viral Twitter memes. Um, <laughs> just spend it on but Luca is $6 and you only have eight. And <laughs> so you got two left over and it's just like, oh, you know, figure it out, which it's a little unfair to the the to it's everybody a little unfair. else. But, um, but it looked but like that in game five. That's the point. It is unfair to the rest of the roster, that. but it did look like that. That is, you know, yeah. He scored or assisted 31 of the 38 buckets. That's wild. That's, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, that's all I, I got. You, you got any any closing thoughts here? No, nah, man. I mean, it's it's not how you drew it up. You know, uh, bad process in a lot of ways, but a great result. You could you could have a game or two like that in a, in a, in a series. Uh, I would think for them to get this last one, the process is to be a little bit better. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good way to sum it up. Um, also, Rick's enough of a madman that Maybe he had this entire game sketched out in a notepad hours before. Entirely just, possible. Listen, the dude yeah, knows what yeah. he's doing. The, the just guy, play by play. He was like, all right, so I think this will happen. <laughs> this, the, yeah, anyway. All right, we're getting out of here. Uh, thanks, y'all, for listening. We'll be back. Uh, probably me and a guest after Friday's Game 6. Win or lose. See y'all then. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. It's a wrap, Doug. That is a wrap.